Good morning and welcome to the Proactive IT Cybersecurity Daily number 176. It is Wednesday, June 29, 2020. I'm your host, Scott Gumbar, and I guess we're going to be busy for the rest of the week. This podcast is brought to you by Nuage Tech, a client-focused and security-minded IT consultant based in Central Connecticut. You can visit us at nuagetech.com. That's N-W-A-J-Tech.com. Happy Hump Day. Welcome to episode 176 of the Proactive IT Cybersecurity Daily. 176 has no significance, so I'm not sure why I'm stressing that. But wherever you're listening to this, if you could like, share, comment, or review, that would be great. And if you're in a HIPAA compliant business, you can go to Facebook and or LinkedIn and type Get HIPAA Compliance into the search and join those groups. Uh, We have a lot today to share, so we're going to jump right into the deep end. Google releases security updates for Chrome. You should be on Google version 84.0.4147.105 across all major operating systems. Firefox has also released Firefox 79. It is a double update, so you need to patch it immediately. Um, Firefox 79, and that is to address some bugs that were um, found. Magento, if you use Magento, Adobe today released security updates to fix two code, this is yesterday, two code execution vulnerabilities affecting Magento Commerce and Magento Open Source rated as important and critical. So the critical one obviously being more important includes versions 2.3.5-P1 and earlier, and that's for Magento Commerce and for Magento Open Source, it's also 2.3.5-P1 and earlier. You need to update If you're on any of those versions, you should be on uh, 2.4. Merchants running vulnerable Magento versions are advised to update their installation to the latest version 2.4.0 or to upgrade to Magento Commerce 2.3.5-P2 or open Magento Open Source 2.3.5-P2 as soon as possible. And a critical WordPress plugin bug lets hackers take over hosting accounts. So that's kind of scary. Hackers can exploit a maximum security, maximum severity vulnerability in the WP Discuss, which is spelled D-I-S-C-U-Z, plugin installed on over 70,000 WordPress sites to execute code remotely after uploading arbitrary files on servers hosting vulnerable sites. Uh, WP Discuss is a WordPress plugin marketed as an alternative to Discus and Jetpack Comments that provides an Ajax real-time comment system that will store comments within a local database. The plugin comes with support for multiple comment layouts, inline commenting, and feedback, as well as a post rating system and multi-level nested comment threads. The vulnerability was reported to WP Discuss's developers by WordFence's threat intelligence team on June 19th, so it's been over a month, and was fully patched with the release of version 7.0.5 on July 23rd after a failed attempt to fix the issue in version 7.0.4. So you should be on WP Discuss, what is the 7.0.5. Apparently 45,000 of you site owners have not updated yet. Right on threat post researchers warn of high severity Dell PowerEdge server flaw, a path traversal vulnerability in the IDRAC, that's I-D-R-A-C. Technology can allow remote attackers to take over control of server operations. Researchers have disclosed 
details of a recently patched high severity Dell PowerEdge ser server flaw, which if exploited could allow an attacker to fully take over and control server operations. The web vulnerability was found in the Dell EMC iDRAC remote access controller technology embedded within the latest versions of Dell PowerEdge servers while the vulnerability was fixed earlier in July. George Kigarats, Kigarads and Mark Ermolov. I don't know why these people can't have easy names. Can anybody be just Joe Smith? The researchers with positive technologies who discovered the flaw published a detailed analysis on Tuesday. The past traversal vulnerability found in Dell EMC iDRAC 9, which is being tracked as CVE 2020-5366, uh, versions prior to 4. This is iDRAC 9 versions prior to 4.20.20.20 is rated as a 77.1 in terms of exploitability, giving it a high severity vulnerability rating according to an advisory published online by Dell. Now remember that the scale goes to 10, so. Path traversal is one of the th three most common vulnerabilities researchers said that they come across in their investigations. If exploited, the flaw can allow attackers to view the content of server folders that should not be accessible even to someone who is logged in as an ordinary site user. iDRAC runs on Linux, and the specific appeal to hackers in exploiting the vulnerability would be the ability to read the file uh, etc slash password the password file. So it's etc slash passwd, which stores information about Linux users, the researcher said. An example of how this can be used by attackers is a recent attack on two vulnerabilities found on the Zoom video conferencing app that could allow remote attackers to breach the system of any participant in a group call. Indeed, a remote authenticated malicious user with low privileges could potentially exploit the iDRAC flaw by, by manipulating input parameters to gain unauthorized read access to the arbitrary files Dell EMC warrant in its advisory. So we did talk about the, the Zoom issue. It's been a few weeks, but um, now you're, you're seeing a similar issue with Dell EMC iDRAC 9, and that's version 4.20.20.20, but there is a patch available, so please patch. On the Hacker News, undetectable Linux malware targeting Docker servers with exposed APIs. Cybersecurity researchers today uncovered a completely undetectable Linux malware that exploits undocumented techniques to stay under the radar and targets publicly accessible Docker servers hosted with popular cloud platforms including AWS, Azure, and Alibaba Cloud. Docker is a popular platform as a service solution for Linux and Windows designed to make it easier for developers to create, test, and run their applications in a loosely isolated environment called a container. According to the latest research inter in teaser, I-N-T-E-Z-E-R, shared with the Hacker News an ongoing NGROK, N-G-R-O-K, mining botnet campaign scanning the internet for misconfigured Docker API endpoints and has already infected many vulnerable servers with a new malware. While the NGROK mining botnet is active for the past two months, or two years, sorry, the new campaign is primarily focused on taking control over misconfigured Docker servers and exploiting them to set up malicious containers with crypto miners running on the victim's infrastructure. Dubbed Doki, D-O-K-I, the new multi-threaded malware leverages an undocumented method to contact its operator by abusing the Dogecoin cryptocurrency blockchain in a unique way in order to dynamically, dynamically generate its C2 Command, uh, domain address despite samples being publicly available in VirusTotal. 
According to researchers, the malware has been designed to execute commands received from its operators, uses a Dogecoin cryptocurrency block explorer to generate its C2 uh, C2 domain in real time dynamically, uses the embed TLS library for cryptographic functions and network communication and crafts unique URLs with the short life with a short lifetime and uses them to download payloads during the attack so uh no no um indication of remediation at this point um or mitigation i should say so to i don't even know how you identify it except maybe resource usage on 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 your docker server um but it's out there so if you're using publicly facing Docker containers, then you may be at risk right now. Bleep the computer, something new on Emotet. Emotet malware now steals your email attachments to attack contacts. The Emotet malware botnet is now also also using stolen attachments to increase the authenticity of spam emails used for infecting targets systems. This is the first time the botnet is using stolen attachments, stolen attachments to add credibility to emails as binary defense threat researcher James Quinn told Bleep the computer. The attachment stealer module code was added around June 13th, according to Marcus Marcus Malware Tech Hutchins. This new tactic adds the, to the Emotech gang's leveraging of hijacked email conversation threads where a malicious URL or attachment would be included in, in new emails attached to existing conversations as a concealment measure as first spotted by Minerva Labs in March of 2019. Emotet, originally a banking Trojan when first spotted in 2014, has now evolved into a malware botnet used by threat actors to download other malware families, including the TrickBot, a known vector used in the delivery of Ryuk and Conti ransomware payloads, and QuackBot Trojans. When we talked about these a couple of days ago, so you should be familiar. There'll be a test at the end of the week. Um, Emotet seems to be using not only stolen email bodies, but is now including stolen attachments as well. Email security firm CoFence said today this lends to even more authenticity in their phishing emails. In one example, we found five benign attachments and a dropper link within the templated portion of the email. The botnet has been delivering massive amounts of malicious spam emails, camouflages, payment reports, invoices, employment opportunities, and shipping information through all its server clusters starting with July 17th. Since it has returned to life, Emotet first started installing the TrickBot Trojan on compromised Windows computers later to switch once again, heavily spreading QuackBot malware, fully replacing the TrickBot payloads. So they, um, as we talked about a few weeks ago, or I think it was last week actually, um, they do seem to switch back and forth. Uh, but Emotet will use whatever seems to be working for them at the time. So now they will steal your attachments and use them to attack other people. Something more to look forward to. Also on Bleep, a computer hacker leaks 386 million user records from 18 companies for free. A threat actor is flooding a hacker forum with databases exposing over 386 million user records that they claim were stolen from 18 companies during data breaches. Since July 21st, a seller of data breaches known as Shiny Hunters has begun leaking the databases for free on a hacker forum known for selling and sharing stolen data. We've, we've talked about Shiny Hunters before. Um, I... I there are some of the uh, databases here, drizzly.com, omaze.com, vikina.com, chatbooks.com, herb.com, promo.com we talked about yesterday, and some others, mathway.com, 
Let's see if there's a full list here somewhere. Yes, there there is. So Shiny Hunters has been involved in or responsible for wide assortment of data breaches this past year, including Wattpad, Dave, we talked about the other day too, Chatbooks, Promo.com, Mathway, Home Chef, and the breach of Microsoft Private GitHub Repository. Databases stolen in data breaches usually are privately sold first with prices ranging between $500 to $100,000. Once they are no longer profitable, threat actors commonly release them on hacker forms to increase their community reputation. Of the databases released since June 21st, nine of them were already disclosed in some manner in the past. The other nine, including uh, Havenly, in Indaba, Indaba, Music, Ivoy, Proctoro, Rewards, S1, Scentbird, and Vikina have not been previously disclosed. So here's the list of the, the databases. Appen.com, A-P-P-E-N, Chatbooks.com, Dave.com, Drizzly, G is D-R-I-Z-L-Y, G-Gummim.co.kr, Havenly.com, Herb.com, and it's spelled H-U-R-B, Indababa, music.com i'm assuming that's some type of indian music website ivoy.mx mathway.com proctoru.com promo.com rewards1.com scentbird.com swvl.com truefire.com thekina.com.br and wattpad so uh if you are a user of any of those sites you have an account with those sites then uh you should be, first of all, expect some phishing emails. And second of all, you should be changing passwords across all of your logins everywhere that you may have used that email and password combination or username and password combination. Also on Bleeping Computer, industrial VPN vulnerabilities put critical infrastructure at risk. So we reported one issue with critical vulnerability yesterday. So here's another one. I'm sorry, critical infrastructure yesterday. Security researchers analyzing popular remote access solutions used for industrial control systems found multiple vulnerabilities that could let unauthenticated attackers execute arbitrary code and breach the environment. Flaws are in virtual private network implementations and adversaries could exploit them, cause physical damage by connecting to field devices and programmable logic controllers. After discovering and reporting a critical vulnerability in MOXA EDR-G902 and EDR-G903, Series routers, version 5.4 and below. Clarity research team found that the products from Sycomia and HMS networks also had severe flaws that could be leveraged to gain full access to the internal network without authentication. Clarity, and it's spelled C-L-A-R-O-T-Y, is a software company in the cybersecurity field that focuses on protecting industrial control networks. Remote access servers like Sycomia, Sycomia, Gate manager manage secure connections from outside the local network. They are critical assets, and attackers with access to them can view internal traffic and reach hosts on the network. The image below shows how remote access solutions work in the ICS environment. Clarity researchers Sharon Brizinov and Tal Karen found several vulnerabilities in Sokomia. Gate manager, one of them, tracked a CVE 2020-14500 with critical severity. At the root of the bug is improper handling of some of the HTTP request headers from the client, explains a report published today. Exploitation is possible without authentication. Clarity created proof-of-concept exploit code to demonstrate that leveraging the vulnerability for root access is possible and prepared a video with an attack in action. So 
Sekomia received a report about the bug and its severity in May and released a patch on July of 2020. Organizations using Gate Manager are strongly advised to prioritize applying the patch. Another vulnerability that could lead to remote code execution was discovered in E1. E1, it's E-W-O-N, VPN, a product from HMS Networks. E1 allows remote clients to connect to it using a proprietary VPN client called eCatcher. Brisnoff found that a vulnerability in eCatcher could allow unauthenticated remote code execution identified as CVE-2021-4498. The bug could be triggered by visiting a malicious website or opening a crafted email with a specific HTML element. In a scenario demonstrated by Clarity, the threat actor could send a phishing email to a target to trigger the flaw and potentially get access to restricted network. HMS Networks was notified of the finding in May 12th and rolled out a patch two weeks ago on July 14th. So both of those items do have patches available. You should patch immediately if you are in the um, industrial controls um, vertical. Also on Bleeping Computer, Netflix credential phishing hides behind working recaptcha or CAPTCHA, sorry, a recent wave of phishing attacks aiming to steal payment card info and credentials for Netflix streaming service starts with redirecting to a functioning CAPTCHA page to bypass email security controls. The actor behind those these attempts used a failed payment theme to engage potential victims into the redirect chain, leading to the phishing page. The fraudulent emails were sent at the beginning of the month and purported to be notification from Netflix support service about issues with verifying the billing address and payment details. Looking at the sender's email, Netflix at csupport.co is clear that the attacker made an effort to make it look legitimate by trying to impersonate Netflix's customer support. Researchers at ArmorBlocks, a company fighting targeted email attacks, analyzed the redirection chain. It all starts with a link in the message that takes takes you to the phishing page. However, some security solutions fail to detect a page as a threat because it is hidden behind a functional CAPTCHA challenge response test. We saw something like this a few weeks ago too, so... Apart from preventing defense systems from reaching the malicious page, the CAPTCHA also gives a sense of legitimacy to the communication the URL has been taken down. The phishing page is a good impersonation of the original Netflix login portal, but all the links just reload the same page. Also, the domain loading it, despite being legitimate, is a clear indication of a fake. After typing in the credentials, another page loads, asking for a billing address, and then for payment details, card number, expiration date, and CVV account number. And you can see where it will go from there. While these phishing attacks are not complex and humans could spot them if they pay attention to some details, they manage to easily bypass email security solutions. And and so that will make people f- you know, feel a little warm and fuzzy about it, and that could create false sense of security, and then you next thing you know, your credit card account is maxed out or your bank account is emptied. All right, on Becker's Hospital Review... New York Hospital reverts to pen and paper after online breach, and here's four details from that. Watertown, New York-based Samaritan Medical Center reported its computer systems went offline on July 25th, according to a local News 7 report. The health system identified a potential security incident and contacted the FBI and the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. Samaritan took its computer system offline when it found the breach. Clinicians had to revert to paper records after the computer system shut down but continued caring for patients. It also postponed some non-urgent appointments during the outage. Samaritan continued to operate its telephone and fax lines while its computer systems were down. Hospital officials said they didn't think the outage would affect payroll and no patients were transferred during the outage. 
So this, again, is New York-based Samaritan Medical Center. And we do have a couple of HIPAA breaches as well. And I'm sure that will turn into a HIPAA breach. But the University of Utah has experienced a phishing attack that has potentially involved the protected health information of up to 10,000 patients. Nice round number. This is the fourth data breach to be reported to the Department of Health and Human Services by the University of Utah in 2020. All four incidents are listed as hacking IT incidents involving email. The previous breach reports were submitted on June 8th for 1,909 individuals, April 3rd for 5,000 individuals, and March 21st for 3,670 individuals. Unauthorized individuals gained access to employee email accounts between January 22nd and May 22nd. According to the substitute breach notice on the University of Utah Health website, it is unclear at this stage if the latest breach report also involved access to employee email accounts in the same time frame. Kathy Willis, Director of Public Relations at University of Utah Health, provided a statement to databreaches.net in which she explained that the phishing incidents were being treated as separate incidents but may have been part of a coordinated campaign. She said the latest incident potentially involved access to a limited amount of patient information and the number of individuals affected, 10,000 is an estimate. The investigation may reveal fewer individuals were affected. Steps have been taken, have since been taken to improve email security including the implementation of two-factor authentication. I would say should have been done already. And High Point Foot and Ankle Center in New Britain Township, PA, suffered a ransomware attack in May of 2020, which patient information was encrypted and potentially accessed or exfiltrated by the attackers. High Point Foot and Ankle discovered the attack on May 20th when staff were prevented from accessing certain files on the network. An investigation was launched, which revealed an unauthorized individual and remotely had remotely installed ransomware on its computer systems. No evidence was found to suggest patient data was access, accessed by the attacker prior to file encryption, nor have any reports been received that indicate patient information has been misused. So this occurred on May, where well, they discovered it on May 20th. That's only been two months, so anything could happen. A third-party computer forensics firm was hired to assist with the investigation to determine files containing the protected health information of 25,554 patients who were potentially compromised. The files contain names, addresses, dates of birth, social security numbers, diagnosis, treatment information, and release dates. Additional safeguards have now been implemented to protect patient records, and all patients affected by the breach have been notified by mail. That is going to do it for this edition of the Proactive IT Cybersecurity Daily. So until tomorrow, stay healthy, stay safe, and stay secure.